you know, when the shepherds came, they were the first to make the announcements, all right? So these, the, the, the shepherds were out in the middle of nowhere, and they, they were out there just doing their thing. They were distracted. They, they, were, they weren't thinking about Christ. They weren't thinking about the coming king or anything like that. You can imagine that, that night as the angels just bust open the sky, and, and they're announcing the king was born, the Messiah was born. And then the crazy thing about it was they were invited to see him. They were invited to him. They were invited to his presence. A couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning, I was explaining this to the church because for so long, you know, that they, they had to worship God from afar. So to, to have the Messiah and be like, oh, great, that's awesome. He's here. The prophecy was fulfilled. And then for the angel to say, well, come see him. Come into his presence. And, and then to walk into that room, well, that manger, that stall, that, that, that cave, that, that area, and then to be able to hold him, to, to, to be able to pinch his cheeks and kiss his face and, and, and do all those things that you would do with a baby, not realizing fully and understanding that that was God. It, it's amazing that we will often look at the story of redemption going all the way back to the cross. The cross is that symbol of redemption, the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and the bloodshed and everything. But let me tell you guys, the story of redemption started Christmas morning. A lot of times we take of communion and uh, we do this out of tradition and we do this out of the symbolism of what the Bible says. The bread is the body of Christ. We all say, I I know that. You say that every time we have communion. Jesus sat at that table on that day at that last supper, that Lord's Supper, and he took the bread and he said, this is my body. And we, we say, I, I agree, I know that. It was broken for you. We understand that symbolizing the cross. But you got to think, it became his body when he was born. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit when that story that we just read a minute, that's when it happened. It's, it's hard for us to fully grasp this, to be honest, as Christians or as anybody else, because... The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, that was talking about the incarnate God, literally God taking on flesh. Now, I don't want to scare you with this term, and I was joking with Pastor Chris this morning that I was going to say this, but this right here is the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ, literally meaning, and and, and I I need you guys to understand this as we go into this, He was 100% God. And 100% man. That, that crazy term that we would throw out there literally means that it wasn't a matter of him being God with human qualities. Or he wasn't a human with God qualities. He was 100% man. You say, why are you saying that? Because we've got to understand what this means for us as Christians as we talk about the word becoming flesh or God taking on flesh. This was deep This was talking about that God was all, that baby was all baby. Literally mean he cried, he got cold. Sometimes we have this idea, well, he was God, so nothing bothered him. No, he was 100% man. That's what that term is meaning, literally meaning that it goes all the way through from the baby to him becoming an adult, that everything that we know about is being human, God in the flesh of Jesus Christ experienced for himself. Let me show you this. So we, we often read this verse in the Old Testament in Isaiah talking about the coming king. And we love reading the verses. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. But it also says in Isaiah this, 
He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That's Jesus. You say, how is that possible? How, how could God, God, holy, righteous, perfect, the one that sits on the throne, the one that breathed out the words and created the universe and DNA and mountains and everything else, how could that God be acquainted my grief. Now that word acquainted, before we go any too, too farther, it literally means just in the basic definition, means to know. As we take the bread, because he was made flesh, because he was born in the manger, he knows. But think about what that verse is saying. He knows my sorrow. He knows my grief. He was acquainted with it. Sometimes when we talk to somebody that Maybe we're sharing our hearts because we lost someone at Christmas or we're going through something and you're saying, well, you would never understand. And then sometimes you come across that person that does understand because they say, no, 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 I, I've been there myself. I know what you're talking about. Can I tell you, that's true. Every time we pray to God, God is saying, I know. God, I'm really hurting this Christmas. Lord, I'm really broken. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm grieved Lord, my, my family doesn't even want to see me this year. He says, I was despised and rejected. 100% felt it, every bit of me. I was 100% man. I know what it was like to be rejected. I say, Lord, I'm, I'm hurting this Christmas. Lord, I, I, I'm praying to you now, and I, I don't know if you understand because you're God. God says, don't, let me for, don't forget that I took on flesh. I was 100% man. I know sorrow. I know grief. I know what it's like to be hurt. Let me take this so far. You know, we're about to take the, the juice. Represents the blood, the covering of our sin, the forgiveness of sin. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about that sin at the very beginning of Garden of Eden. And, and Adam and Eve ran and they hid themselves in the garden because they were ashamed. They covered themselves with fig leaves because they were ashamed. Sin brings shame. You know, sometimes when we go to a gathering and stuff and you've messed up pretty bad or you have a background and the last thing you're saying is, please don't bring that up. Hey, did you get in trouble? No, please don't bring that up. Man, I don't, I, I, there's such shame. I, I don't want to talk about my failures. Can I tell you, as we take this, that God is acquainted with our grief and our embarrassment and our shame. The, the Bible goes on later in that same passage. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And we seem in stricken smitten of God and afflicted. He, he took all of that to the point where, let me tell you, that when you pray to him, we're asking God, Lord, do you understand the pain that I'm dealing with? The very God that we're praying to, our Jesus, the flesh, the blood, the forgiveness of that, describes him in heaven as stood a lamb that had been slain. So imagine this, as we're praying to God, God's sitting there saying, Lord, I'm hurting. God says, I understand the lamb that had been slain, he bears the marks of the cross. The, the symbolism thereof, he knows. I don't want this just being tradition this morning. I don't want to just go through the motions. When he was on the cross, they stripped him. Back in the Old Testament, he cried out and he says, and they parted my garments and they look upon me. He took my shame. He knows your grief. He knows our sorrows. He knows all that. You know, you say, how is that possible? 
Because our God took on flesh. Our God was born into our world. He became one of us, 100% God and 100% man. 